Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The scripture reading for this morning comes from the gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, beginning with the ninth verse. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a bird on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, good morning and uh, happy First Lent to all of you. Uh, Friends, this morning we are going back to the liturgical calendar of the church. And every first Sunday of Lent, the appointed gospel always concerns Jesus' temptation in the wilderness by Satan, or in other gospels, the the devil. And uh, every year when I think about this this confrontation, I always go back to the words of C.S. Lewis, who once said something like this. He says that when it comes to Satan or the devil, we tend to fall into two equal and opposite extremes. On the one hand, we just disbelieve in the existence of Satan. Or on the other hand, we have this curious obsession and fascination with Satan. And what we need to do is just strike a balance between those two things. You know, Satan and the angels really appear in our reading today. Let's think a little bit about Satan and the angels. I don't think I've ever preached a sermon on angels before ever. You may regret that I am preaching a sermon on angels here. We'll see. Satan has always been classically understood in church tradition to be a fallen angel. What are angels? Angels are pure created spirits. In the order of being, angels rank above us. You and I, we can go outside and and we can notice that there is a kind of hierarchy of created things in existence. We have inanimate objects like rocks. We have animate objects like plants. Above the plants, you have insects. Above the insects, we have animals, and I'm grossly oversimplifying. But we have animals. Animals have bodies. Animals have awareness. They have instinct, uh, thirst, hunger, reproductive desires. And above the animals are you and I, human beings. We're animals like the other animals. We have bodies, we have awareness, we have instincts, we have thirsts, hungers, reproductive desires. And yet, unlike the animals, we are possessed of great intellects, a moral conscience, a desire for meaning beyond this material world. Dolphins may have intelligence, but we don't see them building churches or writing philosophy. That's just a given. 
So human beings, this desire in us for knowledge, this desire in us for transcendence is expressive of something that we have that other animals do not have, and that is an immaterial soul, a spirit, this desire for transcendence. So human beings in the Scriptures, we are a union of body and spirit. That's who we are. So it follows that above us would be disembodied creatures who nevertheless are possessed of incredible intellects. That's an angel. Angels are pure spirits made by God, made to love God, serve God, just like you and I. And angels have these intellects that just far exceed our own capacity for knowledge. I mean, angels, they know things, and they know the things of God on a level that just is well beyond our capacities. Last thing I'll say, and I think this is an important point. Now, it's obvious that you and I, we have physical bodies. It's obvious. And because we have physical bodies, we all have bodily desires that experience has told you, has shown you, can cloud our thinking. You ever tried to think rationally when you're hungry? We know that medicines can put us under the influence because we have these bodies. Okay, so as a result, we have bodily desires that, that can cloud our thinking, that can cloud our ration, rationality, our intelligence. Well, angels don't have bodies. That matters. Why? It means that they don't have the same bodily desires that we do that cloud their thinking. So angels... They can exercise their reason with absolute clarity. They can choose with absolute, complete knowledge of what they are doing and with total clarity. Think of it this way. Angels have freer free wills than we do. They are freer in their will than you and I are. Okay? And according to tradition. Satan, created by God, pure spirit, possessed of an incredible intellect, exercised the complete freedom of his will. And I say his, that's a pronoun I really shouldn't use. Angels are neither male nor female. But Satan exercised the complete freedom of his will and said, I will not serve. I will not obey. And immediately he fell from grace. And by the way, that's one of the reasons the tradition says that angels can't repent. They know what they're doing when they choose. Satan said, I will not obey. I will not serve. Satan then succumbed to the vice of pride. He succumbed to the vice of pride. Remember, angels don't have bodies like we do. They can't be tempted to gluttony, lust, greed. Angels can only be tempted spiritually, and there are only two spiritual vices, pride and envy. So Satan said, I will not serve. He saw God as a threat to his own sense of self, and he hated that God was getting the glory. That's envy. 
An envious creature or an envious person hates the good in someone else. You're overshadowing me. And that's why you fail. Some of you may have uh, had to read in high school John Milton's Paradise Lost. I think it was the devil who said, I'd rather be a king in hell than a servant in heaven. Pride and envy. Now think about this. What was now the very first temptation in the Bible? It was the temptation to pride and envy. According to Genesis, the serpent more or less told Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, why are you obeying God? Don't you realize God's commandments are holding you down? He's holding you back. He's limiting your freedom. You need to be your own person. Be free to be yourself. And Adam and Eve fell for the lie. And so have all of us. See, the prideful ego, everyone, the prideful ego is something we are all afflicted with. All of our sins, all of them, and if you follow my daily devotions, I say this all the time, all of our sins really begin with pride. Pride makes us say, well, pride is really just the inordinate love of ourselves. Pride just makes us say, you know what, I, know, I think I know what God wants of me, but I want what I want. And I'm going to do it my way, and I'm going to speak my mind. It's going to be about me. All of our sins begin with pride. The sinful, prideful ego wants to be served. It doesn't want to serve. That's Satan's motto. Satan came not to serve, but to be served. Rather be a king in hell than a servant in heaven. Now think about our Lord. What did he come saying? I came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus defeated Satan's pride and the pride in all of us through the very power of his divine humility. Here was an ancient theologian, John Climacus, I think is how you pronounce his last name. He says that Satan can actually imitate all the virtues of the Christian life. Satan can pray or look like he's praying. He can read the Bible. He can quote Scripture. He can sing hymns. He can express kindness and compassion. He may be feigning kindness and compassion, but he can do all that. Satan can imitate all the virtues of the Christian life except one, humility. That is the one thing Satan cannot do. He cannot serve, and he cannot obey. There's a story of a monk who was in prayer when a beautiful angel appeared to this monk. Beautiful. And the angel said to this monk, My friend, God has sent me because he has found you worthy to receive a special message from heaven. And the monk said, I'm not worthy enough to receive a special message from heaven. 
And according to the story, the devil immediately left him in that moment. you got to think about that one. The great minds of the church say that there are really only two forms of temptations in the Christian life. Two forms. One of them we should avoid. The other one we should not avoid. The first kind of temptation is the temptation we impose on ourselves. For instance, you know, if you've got uh, a sweet tooth addiction and you say, hey, I think I'm going to go down the cookie aisle. Don't do that. See, that is when we compromise our own weaknesses. That's the temptations we impose on ourselves. Don't do that. We always do that. That's the kind of temptation we should avoid. But the second kind of temptation is the temptation from the devil. And these are the temptations we should not avoid. Why? Because it means we are on track to do great things for God. It means we are walking in God's will. And when you're walking in God's will, the voices of temptation get stronger the voice of the tempter himself gets louder. People start saying all kinds of things. What are you doing? You are crazy. You're like one of those Jesus freaks. Have you thought about your family? Have you thought about your future? What about the money? If you are facing resistance because of your love for Christ, because you are trying to pursue a deeper love for Christ, if you are facing hardship for that, good, that's normal. Keep going. It takes courage, everyone. It takes courage to be a saint in this very egocentric, prideful world. Jesus resisted the temptation to make his life about himself. That's what Satan was trying to do to him in the wilderness. Make your life about you. Get some credit. Get some reward. He resisted. And he comes out of the wilderness. What does he say? The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Repent and believe the good news. That's the choice, everyone. I said this last week. The choice in life is either the kingdom of God or the kingdom of me. That's it. Satan in his pride rebelled against God when he said, I will not obey. Jesus, in his humility, resisted that temptation and said, I will obey. My friends, if you and I can put our all into obedience to Christ, not afraid of facing the resistance that will come when we do that, we are going to share in Christ's final victory.